When I think of legacy, I think of a man like Henry Ford. With his innovation, he basically laid the foundation of the 20th century. The assembly line became the century's characteristic production mode. His Model T spawned mass automobility, altering our daily living patterns, our leisure activities, and the entire American landscape. When I think of legacy, I think of a lady like Mother Teresa. She began her life's work by simply teaching impoverished children how to read and write. With no real equipment, she taught them by writing in the dirt with sticks. Throughout her life, she received many awards, including the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She continued her work with the poor for the rest of her life, leading missionaries until just months before her death on September 5, 1997. When I think of a legacy here in Denver, I know we all think about the Broncos. It's almost impossible to look at the history of the Denver Broncos and not think of the legacy of John Elway. He led the Broncos to two Super Bowl wins, recorded the most victories by a starting quarterback, and statistically is the second most prolific passer in NFL history. You can see his legacy cemented in the Ring of Fame Plaza at Sports Authority Field today. These men and women have built a legacy that will last for generations. And as a church, we know that God is calling us to do the same. This land has been a place of harvesting crops for generations, but soon we believe this land will yield a different kind of harvest, a harvest of souls. Many churches have the motto, if you build it, they will come. But at Orchard Church, we've always had a different motto. Our motto has always been, once they come, then we'll build it. Well, they have come, and now it's time to build it. Ten years ago, we planted Orchard Church in this community. But now we have an opportunity to establish Orchard with its own permanent facility, right here, right now. We've been patient and we've waited on God's timing, and He's made it abundantly clear, it's time to build. But we're not just building a building, we're building a legacy. We believe that our church, you, will become a legacy builder as we combine our efforts and establish Orchard Church in our community with its own permanent space. Our vision is to multiply disciple-making churches. With our own 51,000 square foot facility, we'll be able to more effectively carry out that God-sized vision. Of all the population of this growing area, 90% claim no church affiliation, representing approximately 55,000 people. The Denver Regional Council of Governments forecasts this region as the new growth capital of Metro Denver. With this new facility, we will have the capacity to reach thousands more in our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Attendance will potentially double in size with only two services, which will represent roughly 5% of our surrounding area. Our 1,250-seat auditorium will be the largest of its kind in a 10-mile radius. This building will allow us to focus on the ministries of our church without the responsibility of setting up and tearing down every week. With age-appropriate environments and classrooms, we will be able to minister to our kids in the most effective and relevant ways possible. We will truly have kids' classes that kids love.
As we enter this historic season in the life of Orchard Church, we have the amazing opportunity to not only establish our church in the present, but also to hand it off to future generations in a financially responsible way. Our goal is to have a completely paid for building in three to five years. We're ready. Will you join us? We're inviting you to become a part of this with us. We're inviting you to become a legacy builder. Orchard. Is that exciting to anybody besides me? Amen. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 41 to 47 in just a moment as we continue talking about how to build a legacy. Um, As you're finding your way there, I think it would be appropriate this morning to just stop for a moment and have a moment of prayer. I think most all of us by now have seen the most recent tragedy, the shooting that took place at the Oregon Community College. I think there was like nine uh, lives that were lost there. Several people were injured. And so can we just take a moment? Let's just pray for uh, those family situation right now. Father, we just come to you right now. We call on you as the God of all comfort. We pray that you would bring comfort and healing to families and friends that are hurting right now with the loss of their friends and loved ones. We pray for those who have been injured in this tragedy, that God, that you would uh, help them to heal very quickly. And that God, amidst the evil and the wickedness of these kinds of acts, that God, somehow you would bring good out of it. We understand, Lord, and know that the reason people do this is because they don't know you and their heart is not with you. And But Lord, we know you are in the heart-changing business. And we pray that you would change people's hearts, um, that they would love the things you love, which is people, and that they would not do these, these horrible acts. And just, uh, I pray for our nation for protection, and I pray for um, all of us that we just continue to be fervent about trying to bring people to Christ so that uh, you can change lives and these things don't take place. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Today we're continuing our our second week of how to build a legacy because we're not just building a building. Help me out, church. We're building a legacy, a legacy here in this community. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thanks so much for being our our guest here at Orchard Church. Uh, I hope you'll bear with us a little bit. Uh, This is a historic time that we are in here at Orchard Church. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary, all the things that God has done to change people's lives over the last 10 years. And so now we're kind of refocusing on the next 10 years and the next 20 years. So this is kind of a little bit of a a family meeting over the next several weeks. But I I believe and hope you're going to hear some things about how God is at work through this church in this community that you'll be excited about. And so if you're looking for a church where God is at work and making a real difference in real people's lives, then look no further than Orchard Church. Amen, church? And so I hope you'll, you'll kind of bear with us as we do this. I want to read a quick email that I received last week after we really launched uh, the legacy campaign and begin to talk about the details of it because this was such an encouragement to me to know that many of you are getting it and you're understanding the opportunity that we have. And this person wrote, I can't tell you how much I thank God he chose you you and Shelly to plant a church in my area 10 years ago. I started going to Orchard just two weeks before its one-year anniversary. Back then, there were only 90 adults in attendance, and it's such a blessing to see how God has grown Orchard Church and changed lives. Several weeks ago, you were promoting the 10-year anniversary and talking about our future facility. I thought about Moses and David, Moses building the tabernacle and David building the temple, how they both challenged the children of Israel to give as God led them. You talked about it today, how the Israelites gave over and above for the tabernacle and then later to build the temple. My prayer is that God will move Orchard Church to do the same. 
May we collectively consider the condition of our world community around us and gladly join God in what he is doing in our area. I can't tell you how amazed and blessed I am to not only be a witness, but also to be a part of what God is doing in and through Orchard Church. Each one of us has the opportunity to freely give as God leads and help make the church's vision a reality. We will be able to look back and say, God used me and us to help make this possible. Wow, I left church so pumped and blessed to be able to have this opportunity. Can we celebrate that wonderful email? I, uh, I pray that many of you feel the same way that God is up to some amazing things in this church and in this community. And we get to be a part of it. Uh, we are preparing to build our first permanent facility. Lord willing, we're going to break ground uh, in very early spring of next year is the plan. We're going to have the opportunity to, to go from three services back to two services. Uh, two services yet have the ability to double our outreach capacity. And then I know some people say, well, then what do we do? Well, we can always add services again because it's our facility. We could grow, you know, up to five, 6,000 people if, if needed, but we also want to plant other churches. And so, but it's, it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to take a lot of prayer, a lot of work on our part that God is calling us to, a heart of generosity and, and sacrifice to meet a God-sized goal that we've laid out. We have a God-sized goal to raise three to $5 million in the next three Three years over and above the regular ties and, and offerings. And we'll talk more about that and the details and what that looks like in the next couple of weeks. Um, you want to make sure you mark on your calendars November 8th. That will be an incredible historic day in the life of Orchard Church. That's the day we'll make our commitments for the next three years. We'll also take a first fruits offering that day. Whatever God is, is calling on you to commit over the next three years, what's the largest, most sacrificial uh, check you can write that day toward that amount. And we're going to see God do amazing things. If you haven't yet, picked up one of our mission propositions, be sure to pick those up. They're at both the tables by the doors when you leave, or you can go to Got Questions. You can read all about uh, what God is doing, um, what the legacy campaign is, is about. But today we're going to talk about this challenge, that, that we, as we continue to grow, we, we've grown at a pace of about 26% every year. Um, if we're not careful, we're just going to be this big, large, impersonal church with all these people coming and three different services. And the challenge we face is we want to make sure that we're connecting people relationally along the way and that we're caring for one another we're loving one another and that people don't feel like they're just a number or a face in the crowd that they actually have real meaningful relationships and so we we've said this for 10 years the bigger orchard church gets the smaller we have to get so that we can have those relationships and those connections you say well how does that happen well it happens in the second part of our disciple making process help me out if you know this orchard church we put it on our newsletter it's on our logos we have a three-step disciple Disciple-making process. It's three R's here at Orchard Church. Help me out with this. It's reach, relate, reproduce. Let's say it together. Reach, relate, reproduce. Last week we talked about reach, the outreach ministry of Orchard Church. If you weren't here, I highly encourage you, challenge you. Go to our website, orchardchurch.tv. Watch that message so that you're caught up to speed. This week we're going to talk about the second step in that process. We're moving from reach to what? Relate, And that's our small group ministry. And then next week we'll be talking about reproduce as we talk about our one-on-one -on -one discipleship ministry. And small groups is where connection and care and fellowship and relationships take place. If you want to be connected to Orchard Church, it's not probably going to happen on Sunday morning. It's going to happen as you get into small groups. Uh, there was a book written several years ago called Going Big with Small Groups. And in it it said this, at our current growth rate, we would be a big impersonal church 
church in no time if we didn't connect people relationally along the way. And that is true of Orchard Church. But this is not something new that we're facing uh, here at Orchard Church. This is something that actually the very first church that ever got started in your Bible in the New Testament 2,000 years ago, they faced this very same challenge. And we're going to read about it right now. In Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 41, Jesus ha has died. He's been buried. He's resurrected. He's ascended back to heaven, and he's commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And the first church is about to get started. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it's called the Day of Pentecost. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Well, what was it they received? They received the gospel. They received salvation and they were baptized. And that day, now help me out church, about how many souls were added to that church first day? 3,000. That's not a misprint in your Bible. I mean, it's taken us 10 years to grow from a family of 4 to 1,500 to 2,000 people that call Orchard Church their church home. In one day, they were like instant mega church. 3,000 people in one day. And they realized if we don't do something intentional to connect these 3,000 people in loving and caring relationships, we're just going to be this big and personal church. So look what they did about it. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. They were getting together. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed this church, 3,000 people, were together and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. They were meeting each other's needs. Now watch this in verse 46. They had two different meeting times. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that was kind of their large gathering place where all of them would come. And then breaking bread from where? House? To house. Everybody say house to house. House to house. They didn't just meet corporately as a big mega church in the temple. They met individually in houses in guess what they were meeting in? Small groups. They had small group environments because they said, we're too big for everybody to connect if we just meet in the temple. So they opened up their homes, 10, 12, 14, 15 people, and they would meet in a house and they would pray for one another. They would care for one another. They would love on one another. They would have meals and food together. You can't have a small group without some food. Amen. It's got to be some food. And it says that, that they, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness. They were happy to be together and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord continued to add to the church daily those that were being saved and they continued to grow. But they realized we've got to connect relationally in small groups. And so today I want to talk about our small group ministry here that we've had for 10 years at Orchard Church. Now when we first started, we didn't really have a very extensive small group ministry. You know why? We were a small group. I mean, we started with four, and then there was 10, and then there was 20, and then there was 30. And then when we reached about 50, we started our second small group. And so we had two small groups. Now today, we have 40-plus small groups that meet every night of the week, different homes of people that host in these homes. And we never want to get away from our small group ministry, the relate of our reach, relate, reproduce process. Because as we get bigger, the bigger we get, the smaller we have to get. So today, I'm going to kind of give you my best infomercial on why small groups are important. And that you need to be in a small group and encourage those of you who are in a small group how valuable they are and what God is doing through our small group ministry. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning as we talk about the relate of our reach, relate, reproduce process. First of all, I, I want to dispel some myths because 
when you say small groups, it means different things to different people, and it means different things to different churches. Churches do small groups differently. Uh, what a small group is not at Orchard Church, it's not just a support group where you share your deepest, darkest feelings. You light some candles, turn the lights down, hold hands, and sing kumbaya. Okay? It's not, it's not just a support group in that way. That would be kind of freaky and that would be kind of weird. A small group at Orchard Church is also not just a teaching group. It's not a group where you show up and listen to some, someone stand up for 45 minutes and preach the Bible to you. We do that on Sunday morning. It's not a teaching group. It's also not a, a Bible study. Now, we have Bible studies at Orchard Church. We have ladies' Bible studies. We have men's Bible studies. There's homework involved. I encourage you to consider being a part of one of those. But our small group ministry is different than a Bible study. There'll be discussion about the Bible, but most of our in-depth Bible study happens in our Bible studies and in our one-on-one -on -one discipleship ministry. That's a Bible study where we get people grounded in their faith in the Word of God. So it's not a Bible study. It's also not a prayer group. It's not a prayer group. Now, do people pray for one another in a small group? Absolutely, and we're going to talk about that. But it's not exclusively a prayer group where everybody shares their prayer request and then you spend an hour praying. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what happens in small group, you know, where everybody's expected to pray for 10 or 15 minutes, and that can be intimidating. Small groups at Orchard Church are also not a social club. It's not just a place where you hang out and have coffee and snacks and watch football games and play board games or, or whatever. There is social activity that takes place, but they're not just social groups. So what are small groups at Orchard Church? This comes right off our website. Here's what a small group is at Orchard Church. Our small group ministry is designed, help me church, to what? Relay people to others. That's the number one primary reason for our small groups. Because it's hard to get connected on Sunday morning. So in a small group, you have an opportunity to get connected and relate to other believers. Because God never intended us to be Lone Ranger Christians. He wants us connected in relationships. So small groups meet weekly in homes, just like they did in the Bible, to foster friendships in a safe and caring environment. So what do small groups provide? You have this in your notes. Let me talk about three things that small groups provide. They provide, first of all, a predictable environment. It's, it's nice to be able to go somewhere where there's no surprises. You, you go to the same place every week. You go to someone's home. Um, you, you see the same people, the relationships, the trust are built. There's a relaxed environment. Um, have you noticed when you get into someone's home, they're different than if you just kind of meet them out in public? Or even just at church. You're, you're in their home. You're in their environment. It's a safe, caring environment. It's a predictable environment. Uh, number two, it's a safe environment. A small group provides a safe environment because you know people, they know you, you can be open, you can be honest, you can talk about your marriage, um, your kids, your job, your issues of life. You can open up and be honest because you know these are people that love you. You know these people care about you. You've invested time in their life and they've invested time in your life and you know what's going on and it's safe. Uh, Andy Stanley said this about small groups. I am thoroughly convinced that a huge percentage of people who are in counseling would be able to get out of counseling if they were a part of a healthy, biblically functioning small group ministry. That is a powerful statement. And we've seen that happen with some of the people in our, our church. People just need to have a place where they can be cared for and they can be open and they can be honest, share their heart and be encouraged and have support. Um, I got, this was uh, someone that had been attending our small group ministry for several years. They put this on our Facebook page, and I want to read it to you. Uh, this lady said, I've been attending small groups at Orchard for a few years. And during this time, I have formed several meaningful, loving, long-term relationships. 
When my sister was dying of cancer, I was not able to attend small group or even church. But the support and communication between my small group continued. They offered prayers. They were con- there were continual visits. Many people brought food. A few sacrificed days and nights to spend with my sister by her bedside. When my sister passed away, I asked for help with services. And I was not surprised, but I was overwhelmed when 14 from my small group set up tables, brought food, offered to help with daycare, and then stayed after to clean up. I just want everyone to know God is working in Orchard Church and our small groups. Please step out and take a chance. Become a part of of a small group. Can we celebrate that lady's experience? That's what we're talking about. It's a safe, caring, and predictable environment. So small groups provide a predictable environment, a safe environment, and they also provide, and this is practical, a temporary environment. Now, churches do small groups differently. Some churches, you go to a small group, and once you get in that small group, you're in that small group, whether you like it or not, till Jesus comes. I mean, you're stuck. And at Orchard, we do it different. We do semesters. We have a fall semester that lasts 12 weeks, and then there's a break over the Christmas holidays. And then we do a spring semester that lasts about 12 weeks and ends about the 1st of May before graduation start happening and, and Memorial Day. And then summer, we used to try to do small groups organized in the summer, but people are coming and going and vacationing. And so we allow small groups that they'd like to stay together through the summer. Um, some do that, and we encourage that, but it's not as formal. So we have a fall semester and a spring semester 12 weeks I don't know about you guys but I, I like to know that there's a beginning and there's an end if I'm committing to something and so and also maybe as wonderful as our small groups are and we've got some amazing amazing small groups here at Orchard Church and some amazing people in those small groups but you might happen to find yourself in a small group that isn't the best fit for you you know you might find someone in there that maybe relationally you just don't connect well here's the good news you only have to hang in there 12 weeks Because then there's a break and you can sign up for a different group and you don't have to feel bad because there's a natural start and a stop. And for our hosts that host small groups, aren't you thankful for the people that open their homes to host small groups here at Orchard Church? I mean, what a ministry opportunity that is. But our hosts need a break, you know? They're cleaning the house and getting it ready week after week, and it's good to have a break. And then I know that about the time we get done with the break, people are excited and ready to get back in a small group. So there's this temporary environment so you can switch around and you can change groups. And, And I would encourage you, and most of our people are really good about this, but some of you need to be challenged with this more than others. Don't go to the same small group every time. The reason for small groups is get to, get to get connected with other people in our church that you don't know. And so chain, switch around groups. Get to know different people. As we do our spring groups, the groups will all be doing their own studies and different studies. So change around with different studies. Don't, don't become a holy huddle. Don't become a us for and no more. All right? I mean, we have groups that like, I mean, before we even launch and let you guys know publicly, they're calling the office going, put me in this group. You know, it's like, come on, switch around and get to know new people. Even better yet, if you've gone to a small group for a couple of semesters and you go, you know, I, I could open my home. I could put a DVD in. I can encourage people. I'm hospitable. Then, then host a group. Amen. Consider hosting a group and being a host, and, and, and God will use you in an incredible way. I want to talk now about, um, with the remainder of our time, three things that happen in small groups. Three things that happen that we want all of you guys to experience, and these are so powerful. First thing that happens in a small group is this. It's a place of belonging. 
A small group is a place where you can find belonging. How many of you guys have ever heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? Any of you guys study that in school? Okay. Uh, there's a triangle, and these are like uh, five needs that Maslow, the psychologist, came up with. And notice the third one there, belonging. He said we all have this need to have a place that we feel like we belong. You know, with the phenomenon of social media and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Periscope and all these things, those things are cool and those things are great. But those things, they're not a way to really feel like you're in a place of belonging, where you're really connected and you really know somebody and they know you and they care for you. And people today are desperately looking for and needing a place to belong, where they feel like that they belong. It's easy to come to Orchard Church and just get lost in the crowd. And just become a face in the crowd and become a number. And we don't want that to happen to any of you. We, we want you to be able to get into a small group where you get connected and you feel like, you know, I, I belong here. I know these people and these people know me. I mean, it's impossible to know everyone here at Orchard Church in three different services. How many of you guys went to the 10th anniversary? We met out there in the stadium here at Prairie View High School. And you saw somebody you'd never seen before at Orchard Church. Like, wow, I didn't even know they went to this church. We all did. I saw a bunch of people I had never seen before. I'm like, do you really go here? Well, good to have you. Yes, I've been coming here two years. Awesome. Great. Praise God. That's why small groups are so important. So we get connected and find a place to, to belong and be loved on and to be cared for. There's no reason to come to church, to Orchard Church, and not be able to feel like you're connected as long as you're in a small group. And sometimes we hear people say, you know, oh, Orchard Church is just such a big church. I, I, I may be going somewhere else because I don't really know anybody. I don't feel connected to anybody. And they tell me this. And the first question I ask them is this. Are you in a small group? Well, no. Well, that's why. We don't, we don't worry about the people that are in small groups. We know they're loved on. We know they're connected. We know they feel like they, they are at a place of belonging and it meets that need. Now, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but some of you guys helped me out. Maybe you saw the reruns. There was a little show back in the 80s called Cheers. How many of y'all remember Cheers? Now, if you don't remember the show, I bet you remember the song, the theme song. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All right, now help me out, Orchard Church, because I can't sing. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Bom, bom, bom. And they're always glad you came. Da -na 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 -na. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody Oh, give yourself a hand. Good singing this morning. You know what Cheers was all about? A place of belonging. They would show up at the same place after work every day, and everybody knew their name. That's exactly what a small group provides. And you know, as we think about this legacy campaign, how to build a legacy, and the commitments we're going to make on Sunday, November 8th, we, we don't want you guys to just watch this from the sidelines. We don't want you guys to just, you know, see this happen. We want you to have a part in it, just like this one gentleman wrote in his email. By participating and saying, I belong to Orchard Church, Orchard Church belongs to me, and I want to have a part in building a legacy. So small groups provide a place of belonging. That's one of the things that happens in small groups. Another thing that happens in small groups, it's a place of sharing. It's a place of sharing. Three things. It's a place of shared accountability. 
You know, and this happens naturally because of the relationships that you build in the group. You know, we don't have to tell our small groups, you know, make sure you're calling your absentee list. Make sure you're checking on people. It happens naturally because of the relationships. There's built-in accountability. You know, it's easy to come to Orchard Church on Sunday morning and slip in and slip out. It's hard to do that in a small group. Now, some of you are like, well, I want to just slip in and slip out. But we need accountability. Unfortunately, accountability has become a negative word in our society today. But you know what? The truth is, biblically, we all need accountability. We need accountability in our life. We need people that love us and care for us enough that when we're struggling or we're down or we're making a bad decision, that they go, you know what? I want to help you. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in the application of God's word. We need accountability when it comes to God's word. It's easy to come in on Sunday morning, hear God's word, but not be a doer of God's word. We all have this propensity to be a hearer, but not always a doer of God's word. At Orchard Church, as we teach God's word, it's never about information. We want it to be about transformation. Amen? We want to see lives change and, and lives transformed. And small groups give us that accountability because what happens is a lot of times we leave church and we hear a message and God speaks to our heart and it challenges us and we say, man, I really need to start doing that. Or I really need to stop doing that. Or my husband really needed to hear that. But in a small group, as we talk about God's word and what God's doing in our life, it helps us to be accountable to apply it to our lives. And we need, we all need accountability. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says it this way. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other, what? Succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And when you're in a small group and you fall down, and at times we all fall down and we stumble and we struggle, there's people there to help pick you up. And there's that accountability. Another thing that is shared in small groups is prayer. Even though it's not exclusively a prayer group, we, we do pray for each other. We take prayer requests and we're praying for those throughout the week. James uh, 5.16 says we are to pray for one another. You know, it's, it's impossible for us to take all the prayer requests on a Sunday morning in three services at Orchard Church and to know all the prayer needs. But you can do it in a small group. You can share your prayer requests and people can be praying for you. And we've seen God answer some miraculous prayers through our small groups. I'll never forget a couple of years ago in our small group, we had a couple. They were newer to our church, Mark and Amanda McCombs. And they had been trying to have a baby for years. And they desperately wanted to start a family. They wanted to have a baby. And they had tried everything. They, had, they tried a lot of medical procedures and spent a lot of money. And, and they were kind of at the end of that. And they were in our small group. And I said, well, let me, let's just pray for them. You know, and, and they were starting to look at adoption, which is a wonderful option. But, but I said, let's just pray for them. And I, I said to Amanda, maybe, because they said, we're not doing anything medically now. And we've we just given up on that. And I said, well, maybe God just wants to miraculously do it. And so then God gets the credit and nobody else but God. And they were like, okay. And so we prayed for them all semester long. And after the semester of our small group was done, I got a call one night from Amanda. And she said, you are not going to believe this. And I said, what? She said, I'm pregnant. I said, you're kidding. She said, no. She said, I'm pregnant. I said, were you guys even trying? And she said, no, we were just having fun. <laughs> and we prayed that baby in. And so here's a picture of their family and little Lincoln. And I think he's a couple of years old. He's like three now. He's two years old. And man, every time I see that little boy, I'm like, that is an answer to prayer that happened in our small group. So be careful if you come to our small group. 
and we pray for you. You don't know what might happen. But we get to share in these kind of things happening in people's lives. Here's something else we get to share in. Not only do we get to share in accountability and prayer, but we get to share in serving together. You know, the Bible tells us we're all to be serving and to serve the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And one of the things we encourage our small groups to do each semester is don't let a semester go by without doing some kind of service project. And we've had small groups serve at the Denver Rescue Mission and Life Choices Pregnancy Center that we support. They've served in helping us pack shoe boxes for our feeding centers. Of All of our small groups are going to be serving this fall in our harvest party here at Prairie View on, I think it's October 20th. 25th, where we'll have three, 4,000 people from our community come out and the small groups will have their games and their trunk or treats. And we have one small group I heard of recently. I thought this was the coolest thing. They decided to adopt one of the kids ministry classes. And as a small group, they serve together and provide all the help in that class. Now, if I was a small group and I was going to serve in a kids class, this would be the least likely for me to pick the two-year-old class. They like adopted the two-year-old class. We've all heard of the terrible twos. And they all serve together and work together serving in that class. I think that's awesome. And so you get to share these things together. Serving and accountability and praying for one another. And again, that's what building a legacy is all about as a church. That we share together. That we becomes me. That's what this legacy campaign has got to be about. That we becomes me. What is God calling me to do? What is God asking me to do? What is the commitment that God wants me to make? So that when God does these amazing things and we have our permanent facility and we see not just the building, we see hundreds of thousands of lives change, that we go, I shared in that. I had a part in that. So small groups give us a place of belonging, a place of sharing, and then maybe one of the most important, it's a place of caring. Our small groups... One of the things that happens in small groups, it's a place of caring. It is very difficult, I would say impossible, for us, for me as, as your pastor, and even for our leadership team, and we've got an incredible leadership team, a staff of about 15, some full-time and some part-time, to meet all of the needs of some 2,000 people that call Orchard Church their church home. It's not possible. It's not even possible that we know about all the needs. Sometimes we will hear about a need way after the fact. And sometimes people will get offended. And we're like, nobody told us. You know, we don't, we don't have like this crystal ball. And we hear people say, sometimes say, well, it was on Facebook. Well, I'm sorry. I don't live on Facebook 24-7. And so I first say this. If you have a need, we want to meet your need. We want to help, help your small group meet your need. And if you're not in a group, help find a group. We've had groups adopt needs in our church. Make sure we know about it. Call our church office and make sure you let us know about your need. Because we want to meet needs. But, but it's impossible for me and our staff to meet all the needs of our church. You know, some of you have come from a smaller church. You know, the average church in America is 75 to 100 people. You know, when, when Orchard Church first got started, um, we, we grew to 200 people before we hired our first-time staff person other than myself. And I was able to meet most of the needs when we were about 100, 150, 200. The reason we hired somebody is because I couldn't meet all the needs. And we, we had to add people. But now, we, we can't, even our whole staff can't meet all the needs. But did you know this? That biblically, we're not supposed to. We're not, I, I'm not supposed to. This, this could be life-changing for you guys like it was for me when I saw this several years ago early on in ministry. Look, look at what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And I consider myself a pastor teacher. 
Their responsibility, the responsibility of the pastors, the ministerial team of our church is this. Their responsibility is to equip who? God's people. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand? Okay. You are God's people. Our responsibility is not to try to meet the needs, all the needs of some 2,000 people because it's impossible. Would you agree? Say yes. It's not possible. I, I can't do it. But I don't have to. I'm not supposed to. My responsibility is to equip God's people, all of you, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And there's nowhere that that happens more than in our small group ministry. As we equip our host and we train our host to love on people and care for people. And the coolest things happen here at Orchard Church. Somebody will go in the hospital or somebody will have a baby or somebody will pass away. And our small group will jump into action. And before we ever even go to the hospital, they've gone to the hospital. Before we have a chance to line up meals to help encourage people, the small group is already lining up meals to do that. That's the way it's biblically supposed to be, Orchard Church. And aren't you thankful that we have a church that doesn't have just one or two or three ministers? We have like a thousand ministers here at Orchard Church ministering people's needs. Amen? It's okay if you celebrate that because that's biblically what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We, we almost kind of have a joke around here you don't want pastor doug showing up at the hospital if i show up to see you in the hospital you're probably about to die that or i've known you for a really long time and we have a really close personal relationship i've showed up to a couple of really close friends that have been here for 10 years in the hospital something minor and they're like am i that bad they're like worried you know and so we're, we want to equip people and, and care happens through our small groups i want you guys to all experience these three things belonging, sharing, and caring. God wants you to experience these things. And these things happen in small group. I want you to experience these three things just like one family experienced them in a life-changing way the last semester here at Orchard Church. I grew up going to church in upstate New York. And after I moved to Colorado, and I, as, as I got older, I kind of drifted away a little bit. Um, still kept my faith, um, but the church part has definitely been since I met Melissa. Um, with that, we decided one night we were going to start going to Orchard, and it became our new. As we are a blended family, it was going to be our new restart, and we picked Orchard. In the last three years since I've been going to Orchard was the first time that we talked about going to a small group. I think I've always wanted to be a part of a small group, but I was always nervous. Are the people going to judge me? Are they going to know more than me? Um, am I not going to have the same beliefs? Um, I didn't really know what it was all about. One of the things that grew me to the small group was something that you actually mentioned to me about portraying as a father um, what example do I want to set for my kids as to where I have my beliefs in my heart but am I doing what I need to do to connect with my own children or to the other people in my community about what I believe I came straight from work uh, she already got home with the kids I met her there I remember I was a half hour early so I think I parked three blocks away at the time being I had a half hour I remember just sitting in the car thinking wow my heart, I think, is going 150 beats a minute. I had no idea what we were ready for or who we were going to meet. And very nervous <laughs> the whole time. We walked up to the door and 
That's the way we met our guests, our host. It was just a really nice, just open, welcoming, you know, it wasn't like Bible's in the hand and we're gonna hit it hard, you know? So it was very, it was very nice. It was, uh, it was, it was pleasant. In February, we decided to move closer to the kids' school. And I had called my aunt that day and told her, I don't have a good feeling. We just closed and she didn't have a good feeling either. And apparently I was moving a rug in the home with my seven-year-old son and had a cardiac arrest. My seven-year-old son um, went to get help um, and some people that were working in the basement gave me CPR and that's the best of my memory of the whole situation. I was in a coma. My phone starts ringing a lot and I'm not really noticing the number. Um, I finally said, hold on, I need to take this call. I walk out, I take the call, and it was um, one of her coworkers at the time saying, um, Melissa, we believe had a seizure, but it's really bad. I called my father in a panic and told him to come pick me up, something was wrong with Melissa. Melissa was in a coma for roughly six weeks. The doctors uh, couldn't figure out what to do. Um, but at this point, something had to be done. We had decided just to go ahead and just uh, let her take her off of all the medicine that they had her on. They told me it would probably take a week or two just to have her come out of the coma, just to see if uh, she could even breathe on her own at that point in time. Um, they had also told me that if she was to come out, she might open an eye. And that's it. But when they told me to go home and make funeral plans, it was, it, it was scary. When all this first happened, uh, it was the focus of our group. No longer did, did we focus on the lesson. No longer did we really talk about uh, things that were kind of going on in each of our lives as much as we would normally. Uh, we, we prayed. We talked about what we could do for this family. and I made sure that Tammy and myself contacted the, the, the individuals in our small group. And some of these individuals had, had met this couple once or twice. Some of them not at all. Uh, and when it came time for a call to action for our, our small group, uh, everybody stepped up. It was game on for everybody. We were going over to Dez's house and praying over him and just doing different things like that. When you're in a small group, this is what you do. You, and you take care of you, you take care of those in your small group. We your saw friends, people with very busy lives, you know, that all of a sudden had time in their lives to help others and all in a concerted effort to, to make this family whole again. Melissa started to uh, come out of her coma. Melissa needed a lot of extra care, so we had, uh, with the, the friends and the family, the small group, people were going down and taking turns to look over her, just to sit by her, to make sure she was okay. Um, when everything's dark and gloomy, um, you have people around you, um, which for me was my small group, and through the people of the church, and the, um, never gave up, never let their faith down. What came out of that situation is what 
not that I wanted it to happen, but I wanted to show my husband that that's what your church family is for. Um, to be able to lean on other believers. I woke up after three months of a nightmare that I wasn't necessarily a part of to find out that the church and my small group had helped my family through a time that I don't know they would have made it through otherwise. an amazing story that's what small groups are all about and why they're so important would you bow with me for prayer an attitude of prayer just think about the legacy that that small group has left in that family's life a legacy of love and caring and sharing and encouragement and prayers in a very very challenging time you know, the legacy we want to leave here at Orchard Church is not that we would just be some big, large, and personal church with a bunch of people that show up and go home every Sunday. But we want this to be a church that we leave a legacy where people feel a sense of belonging, sharing, and caring. And that happens in small groups. So I know many of you this morning right now, you're already in a small group, and I thank God for that. Hopefully you're experiencing these things we talked about today. If you are in a small group. Would you just pray right now for your small group? Pray for the people in your group. Thank God for the host that opens their home for ministry to take place every week. If you're not in a small group, I don't know what else to say to encourage you and challenge you. It's an important part of your week and your life. And it's not too late, even this semester. We're just a weekend. It's not too late. We have groups that are open. They would love for you to be a part of their group. They'd love for you to come. They'd love to pray for you, encourage you. And so I would encourage you to just, just right now be considering that. Go to this afternoon. Make a decision right now. This afternoon, I'm going to go to orchardgroups.com. Orchardgroups.com, and I'm going to sign up for a group, and I'm going to attend one this week. They're every night of the week. You can find one that fits your schedule and where you live and, and those things, and be a part of a small group. As you're praying right now, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, our God wants all of us to experience a sense of belonging. He wants us to belong to His family by accepting His Son. He, he wants us to experience sharing in a real, intimate relationship with our Creator. And He wants to, uh, for us to experience caring because He cares for us. We cast our burdens on Him because He cares for us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it all begins. You get to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus and you also get to be brought into a brand new family, a spiritual family with many brothers and sisters in Christ that are sitting around you today that can love on you and care for you and encourage you. So if you've never received Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do so right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. I'll help you with the words. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life today as your personal Lord and Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins. 
Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving and caring for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I would never want to do that. But I'd love the privilege and honor if you just prayed that prayer for the first time to pray for you, that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Anyone like that this morning, you could just slip up your hands and say, yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. And God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith this morning. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you didn't just call us to a relationship with you and then leave us down here to figure it all out on our own, but you brought us into a, a family, a church family, your family, with brothers and sisters in Christ, not just to show up corporately and meet on Sunday, but throughout the week to get connected in a small group ministry where we can love and care and encourage and pray for one another. Because living this Christian life is not always easy and it can be challenging and we don't have to be alone. Thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today for the first time. We pray they grow in that relationship and that way we all love on each other the way you have loved on us and care for one another. And we thank you for a church that doesn't want to just be an impersonal big church, but a loving, caring church that meets people's real needs in a real way. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank God for relationships in small group and our relationship with him this morning? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that on your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. If you're a first-time guest today, thanks so much for being our first-time guest here at Orchard Church. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card there in your newsletter. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in you and getting to know you better. We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail. So let us know that you're here. Um, if you are a first-time guest, I'd love the chance to meet you personally. Um, so I'll be standing out there... Uh, in the courtyard by the white tent come by if you're newer to orchard church and i've not yet had the privilege of just meeting you personally please come by introduce yourself i would love to meet you to today all right next week we're going to continue how to build a legacy we've talked about reach relate so next week is guess what reproduce we're going to talk about our incredible one-on-one -on -one life-changing discipleship ministry and also the opportunities that god is giving us to plant other churches like orchard church around the front range where there are desperately churches needed you're going to hear some uh, great stories next week as well as we continue how to build a legacy let's stand as we close in a song of worship workers worship through our sacrificial giving because we want to be a church that uh, gives first saves second and learns to live on the road god bless you guys